All right, when you come up to, when you break the huddle, you come up to the line of scrimmage, right? You're looking over, you look this, you look over, you see this linebacker creeping, you're calling out a, a, a protection immediately if it's a pass play, or you're calling out a audible, or you see a safety shift, or you see like one foot in front of the other. Like that literally right there is critical thinking and problem solving. Like that is a skill. So like literally, if you walk into a workforce, you notice like, I don't know, you can notice the temperature of the room, you can notice that, hey, something's like, whatever it may be, and you're like, hey, let's solve a problem. Or you may notice, hey, this company I'm working with said they were going to do this, but they switched it on us. Like, let's be prepared for this. You know what? Like, it's just, you literally, that's literally what you're learning in the film room. Hello, hello, and welcome back, or welcome to the Up Close in Personnel podcast show with Alex Brown. I am your host, Alex Brown, Director of Recruiting with Rice. Sorry it's taken me so long to get back to you guys. I am trying to make this a weekly thing again. We just finished spring ball, done with it. Um, This episode was recorded uh, actually a couple of days ago um, on Easter Sunday. And we were joined by none other than Ed Jones. Ed Jones, friend of the show and previous guest for episode three. Definitely check that one out for all of Ed's background, influences, career path, recruiting advice, and a lot of big picture stuff. But Ed just launched his own website, the Beyond the Field program. And it is absolutely chock full with resources for anybody who wants to get into player development why it's a a, just an important part an integral part of the college football experience and making this uh, a a really immersive opportunity for student athletes to, to really maximize their experience on campus and for coaches for head coaches and recruiters uh everybody alike that's involved with college football this is how you get the most out of your players develop them so he he launched this program it's called beyond the field the website is btfprogram.com and it's got resources it's got free free resources uh, in addition to his book beyond the field it's an ebook you can buy it 15 dollars. again go to btfprogram.com so going back to ed he was previously at Kansas University as their director of player development and is now the assistant AD for player development with the Baylor Bears. For anybody that's that's involved with player development, like I said, check out his book. But in this podcast, we talk about his mindset, his approach, kind of daily activities, the daily grind that he goes through, how he's pieced together this entire program, and just the structure and organization that goes behind it. It's not just, you know, plugging holes here and there. Like, it, it is all about making it a progression and really teaching along the way. So at the end of the show, we actually answered some questions sent in by you loyal fans. And I really want to make this a weekly thing. So can you help me out and send me more questions? We hit hit about five or six of them, but I, I, I loved it. I think this is going to be something I want to do for future episodes. So um, as we transition over to the show... Uh, I'm excited to also tease out uh, some upcoming developments. Up Close In Personnel finally has a sponsor. I've waited 
a long time for this. I'm not announcing it on this show. I'll announce it on the next one um, as we kick off season three. Yeah, season three. Um, I, I really am just floored by all the support through this entire process of starting my own podcast and, and doing this while working a job and just appreciate the texts, the DMs, the, the phone calls. It means a lot. Even if it's a short text and I, I reply back real quick, like it, it means so much. It keeps me going and uh, I'm excited for what's next. So like I say every week, don't don't forget to subscribe, rate, share the show, yada, yada. All right, cool. Let's get to the show already. Um, Ed Jones, player development, and uh, here it is. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um... All right, so welcome back to Up Close and Personnel. Um, we are almost on a one-year anniversary of you being on the show. We're we're a week and a half away Very from good. it, yeah. Which is crazy. crazy. Which is crazy to me that I haven't had you on earlier for a second repeat. So my apologies. No, um, good. You're now at a at a new university. You're at Baylor, mm-hmm. and as we all watched, there were some crazy awesome game yesterday with the Gonzaga finish and then obviously Baylor put put the stomping on your UH Cougs how torn were you watching that game that was a tough one um because that's my alma mater and you know from when we worked there man we got to know the basketball staff really really well and so it was very um you know I was very very happy for them you know to see them get to that point it was the first basketball game I've ever watched in my life where I literally just watched it. Like I had no reactions. <laughs> it was like, oh, bucket, good. Um, but I know that they'll be back. Uh, University of East Coast Sampson has built an incredible program there. Uh, he has incredible support staff that he's kept with him that whole time. That's been the same staff he's had um, the whole time. And so I know they'll be back. I know they'll, they'll get it right. I'm excited to see their future. It's like the, the stone cutter, big symbol that they had in their, in their like oh, yeah. lobby right when you walked in oh yeah it's that you know hundredth one that hundred and once you know cut um for those that are that are tuned in we're actually not going to go kind of into your story because we've already touched on that um right. i definitely recommend everybody tuning in if you haven't already to episode three when we had in on the first time we talked about really a lot of advice that i think still applies to recruits because we're still in a dead period um a year since then, you know, not much has changed as far as restrictions for, for recruiting. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about kind of the genesis of, of your career and, and what led you to where you are now. And I was running today and I was re-listening to the show and it's amazing. It, and I have a lot of things that I want to talk to you about on this second go around, but hearing you talk about the $100 startup, and fast forward a year later, and those things that you were taken away and really passionate about from that book, you put into practice and you started up your own business. You started up your own website. Uh, you just released a book. Um, talk to us about Beyond the Field and all the awesome things that I mean, you've really kind of put into motion. And it's, it's crazy you said, I totally forgot I talked about the $100 startup. That thing, I mean, that's like literally, it's been incredible, but it was just, 
you know, as you had, as other people had, I know a lot of people were talking about if you don't come out the pandemic with something new, like you fail and all that. I never had that pressure, but I just wanted to learn. I had a lot of time because um, all we weren't, we weren't doing any programming or anything. I was just checking to make sure guys were okay every day. So I had a lot of extra time. And so launched a website in January because I was still at Kansas at the time. And so I was excited. There were some things I wanted to do with it. But I was like, you know what? I got to get this book finished. I have to get this book finished. And Craig Rochelle, I listen to him a lot. And he talks about making um, not unrealistic deadlines, but like just quick deadlines. So one day I literally was like, okay, I'm going to get it March 20th. It's it's going to be out. I think that was the date. I can't even remember. <laughs> but I think it was March 20th. And I literally, on March 2nd, I said, I'm going to be done with this all this in March 20th. So I did it and kind of did some of my work on shout out to Canva, which people think I'm have a graphic designer, but it's really Canva. Um, so I got that out. Um, and then just with the ebook, my pat it goes back to what my passion was. I wanted to be open about uh, player development and a program that could help create generational impact. The ebook's not for me to be a uh, New York Times bestseller, but if it if that happens, I definitely would love that. But it's more to to um, give people tools who are in this space because when I started at the University of Houston I mean I didn't have anything like I mean I, you know I came in hey Alex Brown is over there you're in development um just make sure you spend time with the players and that was really it and so over the years building a program to where people can uh, you know if they get the position even if they've done it before or if they're a former player or alumni or whatever it may be and they get thrown into that position or fortunate enough, to, I should say fortunate enough to be in that position, they have something to go off of. Because I would have paid, you know, back when I got to the university, I'd have paid $200 for this. <laughs> like, right. Um, but, but just creating that, and it's been fun, man. It's just crazy. Like when I, the day that the book sale, like that first, when you get that first person to like literally, so that was a Saturday. And the first sale happened before I woke up. It's from the East Coast. And like, you get this email that's like, ding so-and-so has bought your book. And he's, he's actually director of player development uh, for a school in the American. And it was just like crazy. Like, he's just like, wow, somebody like, somebody's interested in what I do. I mean, you get it and you get all these messages and people are like, oh man, I can't wait for it to drop, but it's just not real until you kind of have that moment. And so, um, but it's, it's been good, man. Um, I've been getting a lot of good reviews and, you know, people saying, man, this is awesome. I know this is what I want to do. So, uh, it's crazy thinking about it. back to last year. I had no, I just had a whole bunch of stuff on a sheet of paper. I was like, what is this going to do? What do I do with this? Are people going to be interested to a point right now? I think um, somewhere, I think 70 people have a copy of the book. Wow. So, yeah. And the curriculum, right? That, that's the, that's right. The, the key. You have a curriculum now, you have a game plan. And obviously it changes from school to school, but you've got to be very versatile as a, as a person in your organization. You, you've got to have, um, you know, a vast network to connect people that can help your players. And you also have to be able to answer those questions on the spot um, right. because you're the go-to person, right? So prioritizing learning, I know that's a big deal for you. Um, I know you're a big podcast guy, but how has that adapted over this last year? Cause it, it really seems like you've taken your game to a whole nother level just in this last year. Yeah. So when you say prioritize learning, like I, I think for me and you, you know, this because, and this is what I love about being at the university of Houston or 
before university of Michigan being a high school coach, when the pandemic hit, a lot of people were like, hey, do we have a resource to do this, resource to do this? I'm like, what do we need resources for? Let's figure out how to do it on our own. Like, it's people. We just need to find out where our players are. We need to get them what they what we need to get them, be it food, be it um, internet access, whatever it is. We can figure out the logistics of doing this on our own or whatever it may be. Or, well, you know, well, you know, a lot of people, well, how are they going to feel when they get back? A lot of people going through, okay, well, let's read articles. Like, let's listen to podcasts. Like, we can do this. And so over the past year, it's kind of been crazy. I know me and you kind of talked about it yesterday, uh, having an opportunity to help out with operations of our program last year at Kansas. That opened up a whole new window of like just learning and seeing how a program could work. And then just and just really like, hey, we really can get this done. Like we just need all you need is a plan. Like let's get a plan and let's figure out the best way to do this to the point where, you know, I'm going on trips. Um, to, well, I went to two trips, West Virginia and Texas Tech. I advanced on a trip and, you know, you kind of look at stuff like how, what, okay, when they come in, what does this look like? Okay, what are our coaches? Like, I'm telling people on staff, this is how our coaches are. Like, this is what they do. This, these are their behaviors. They like to drink this, they like to do this. So you learn by some of it's observation, but just actually like when you get in that point, you have to make decisions for an entire program. Um, you start problem solving, like what could go wrong? And I think, when you think in that risk management, you don't always stay on the negative side. You can find a lot of positivity there because you're thinking, well, if this can go wrong, how can we make this, how can we make this better or how can we avoid this, but also make it a positive to where nobody notices that this may happen or have happened or whatever it may be. So we didn't talk about her a ton on the last time, but do you feel like you got a lot of that from Tori Takel? Oh, absolutely. Like if if you gave Tori two toothpicks and two rocks, she'll find out how to make a fire for everybody to get s'mores, you know? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just kind of seeing it in, like, I knew that, but when you see it in person, like actually in person, and you start thinking to the point where I, I took a compliment from Tori, like, she was like, wow, that's like, so I started laminating everything that they gave me because I was like, well, let me laminate it because instead of having all these sheets, I could just erase it and do check. So I would check. All right, who got on the bus? Okay, who got off the bus? Okay, who's down for dinner? Okay, who's back down for this? Okay, bed check. Like, I just kept doing that. And like, she's like, wow. Like, so we started doing that. Like, that was just a, what we did. Everything was laminated where you can do, easily check. And like, people kind of made fun at first. Like, actually, people are literally make fun. Like, oh, here comes Ed with his laminated sheets. Until they realize, like, how much time you save. <laughs> just wipe it off and you do that. But it, go, it goes back to like. Entries. You know, yeah. <laughs> a lot of trees and you know me I like to print stuff it goes back to being, <clears throat> being around Tory and just like finding all right cool this is how we're gonna get it done let's be efficient you know yeah and you know I, I think as you get more and more involved with it and you see more scenarios and you see stuff go wrong you start right. to have questions that maybe aren't even in a checklist they're just in the back of your mind because of those experiences Absolutely. You know, one thing I found out that I didn't even realize this, I was talking to a referee because this year was the first, and this has nothing to do with anything, but like you said, in the back of your head, like I'm talking to a referee, you know me, I like to talk to everybody before the game, especially refs. Yep. Um, and so this year, when guys get ejected, they didn't have to go to the locker room. Uh, they got targeting. And so I asked him, what was the ejection and he, what, what causes the ejection? Because you know when they say like somebody gets personal foul, let's say I blocked you in the back. Uh, 91, this is his first personal foul. 
Well, I always thought since they counted it, if you get two, you get kicked out of the game. That's not true. Like you can have six personal fouls and be in the game. What gets you kicked out of the game is targeting and unnecessary roughness or a or a punch. A punch would get you kicked. I literally did not know that. So it's just like I didn't know that like, either. Yeah, because I thought they they say this is his first person. So I always thought, oh, you get two and you're out. That's not the case. Like it has to be like 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 legit. You're trying to harm somebody to get ejected. So I was like, so if I blindside somebody six times during the game, he's like, you just gonna get six fifteen yard penalties. I was like, oh, okay. If I if I'm remembering that correctly, but I think that like, but stuff like that, like right, it was in the back of my thought, back of my head because I was worried about when do I have to actually prepare myself when I actually have to take somebody to the locker. Room. Right, right. A punch, a punch, you have to go to the locker room. So I was just trying to make sure in my role, okay, when when do I have to take guys to the locker room? And then that question happened, and it was just like, wow. So, okay, so that, that was your role at Kansas, and, and that was also a part of your role at Houston. Mm-hmm. Now you're in a, a bigger title, um, right. awesome, awesome opportunity at Baylor. Uh, before we talk about your book and you know, really diving into concrete examples of player development and what it looks like of taking somebody from where they are, point A to point B, and helping them realizing their potential. That, that's what this show is going to be about. Can you talk to us about your new position at Baylor, what you're doing right now, and uh, all the things going on over there in Waco? Yeah, so the new position, uh, assistant AD for player development, it's been fun. It's been a learning process because they have such a great student-athlete development set up here with the Baylor Built program that I'm not doing as much programming as I've done before in other, um, other universities. Um, so my role here, I honestly get to build, I'm excited. I get to dive deeper in the relationships that I've, I've built. So there's a lot of mentoring. There's a lot of meeting with guys. Um, I talk to academics probably four times, uh, you know, a day, a lot of great, re- deeper relationship with strength staff and other support staff members and how we're trying to get things done. Uh, the one thing that kind of really, really wanted, I really, really, one thing that really made me want this opportunity outside opportunity, you know, great opportunity and move back to Texas was coach Aranda told me that I would be his culture guy. And so I've been able to like set up program. We just had our first big program for culture. I'm reading books. I sent a notes to coach and we're talking about culture. So basically he has his set culture and I'm going out looking for examples, which is awesome because, you know, we remember all the culture talks we would have at Houston. And so um, helping with that, um, figuring out ways to get our newcomers, like I had them all come in and talk to me after they put down notes, man, I learned so much. Like they're speaking the culture. So, I'm, you know, different things like that. I'm trying to set up statistics and, you know, okay, this is, these guys, these are their goals. And they talked about this and this is what they talked about can be difficult as a, as a newcomer. So let's figure out how we can, you know, help them in our culture. So um meeting with a leadership group here probably next week or ne- uh, the week after to kind of go over the same thing with them and see you know so I get to see the aspects of the newcomers and the leaders which are normally in most cases older guys um and it's a lot of like just develop it's pretty awesome like like literally like program development which I think at Kansas I found out what my dream job would be my dream job would be to direct the development of the entire program so every human being uh um, in the program, be it, you know, play student athletes, staff, support staff, uh, student assistants, interns, like helping people develop. I think that's, you know, because one thing I found out 
honestly, the last two places, Houston and Kansas, is you do all this programming for players and the coaches are there and they come ask you questions, you know? And sometimes I think there's a, you miss the development of coaches because they recruit, as long as they can recruit and coach, like you're, oh yeah, you're awesome. But like, how are we developing them for the goals that they have, you know? Uh, and, and, and even other people on staff, you know? So, um, so a lot of program development, like it's kind of crazy because I can't like the opportunity to uh, really, really, really help and build stuff here. And it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. You think that that personal wellness component of player development, it it's hard to preach it if your staff isn't practicing it? Oh, there's no doubt. Like I know for me, like I put pictures of my family up in, in my office because you're, you know, you're telling these guys, hey, we want you to be better, you know, better husbands, better fathers, things like that. And it's just like, you know, and all you see in in, in the office could be, you know, this, this, that. So I, I appreciate it. We have a really uh, our staff has done an incredible job of, of balancing, like, nah, we're going to be better people, you know? Um, and so uh, um, one of our players, like, I just met him for a week, and he was like, man, like, coach, got your daughter up, man. That's awesome. Like, great dad. All right, love you. Like, <laughs> but it's an example of, like, they get to see that, right? They get to see that you work hard, but they also see that your family's here. Like, we've had, like, three family practices since I've been here. Families giving out ice cream. You know, it's like, it's incredible how much the Super Bowl party families were there. Like, it's just, they're going to see our entire lives. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Like, they're going to find out anyway. I mean, with social media, they're going to they're gonna know. So, yeah, it's been awesome. You know, you have the opportunity to talk to players about your life, your family, um, goals you have. They ask questions, those who may have kids, those who don't. Um, they ask, you know, what, what's the one thing you, you want to do as a dad? How does it work? How do you balance it? So having those conversations, I think that personal wellness, they respect it. I've even told guys straight up, like, man, I need to find a therapist, you know, or, or a counselor or, or somebody to talk to. And he's like, well, why? You know, it's because I'm not Superman. You know, I, I have my moments where, yeah, I'm out here. You guys see me with a lot of energy and jolly, but there are moments where I'm like, man, I just need to talk to somebody, you know? So, yeah. So then with those newcomers, um, were you were you over at Baylor in time to do a newcomer orientation? And what is, uh, not getting into the maybe the nitty gritty, but in terms of big picture goals and objectives that you have as a player development director, what are the things that you're looking to accomplish with a newcomer orientation, whether that's uh, somebody coming mid-year coming in in January or somebody or a, the group of, I mean, the bulk of your class, your, your freshmen that are joining in the summer, what, what are your main objectives heading into that? And how do, how do colleges do a better job of preparing these guys for success, you know, right out of the gate? Yeah. So I didn't get an opportunity to, they were already, they had already started. I came the second week of semester here, but at Kansas, we had set up our newcomer orientation based off the learning process. So the number one stage in the learning process, which we'll talk about, which is in the book, is educate. So the newcomer orientation is to educate guys. And we had it at Kansas over a week for four days. I think I've seen a one-day orientation. I've seen a two-day orientation. That stuff doesn't work for adults at work. You know, so how can we get an 18-year-old who give him, you know, 14 things to do in two days? Um, and so uh, we wanted to educate. So number one thing, of course, is just educating. I think knowing who the staff is, right? Um, because 
there's going to be people not necessarily barking orders at them, but people giving them things to do like, hey, you need to put, you know, pull your mask up, you need to be here, whatever. And they don't have a relationship with this person. So I think you need to educate them with like on support staff. Hey, this is, you know, I know you didn't see this person in recruiting, but this is whoever, this is whoever. These are the people who take care of our building. These are the people who, you know, are with here are all our athletic, you know, training staff. Here's the entire recruiting department. Here's player development. Here's the entire academic staff. Here's, you know, um, whoever's going to help them. You know, here's your learning specialist. Here's your tutors. Uh, I think you educate them so now they they can create some familiarity. Then you go from there to, you know, what are they what are they going to need to succeed? Teamworks. Okay, well, here's Teamworks. Download it. Let's do it. Here we go. What else do they need to succeed? For us, we use an app, Helper Helper, for community service. This is Helper Helper. This is how you go into it if you ever need um, community service. You know, this is where you live. These are the people that you'll meet with at your um, at your residence. This is how you you know contact them. If you pay rent, well, I guess we do a scholarship. They do it. If you're non-scholarship, you pay rent here. Um, you know. Uh, here's a library here, you know, like different things like that. You're educating them on a campus to get them, you know, uh, acclimated. And then you just, that takes time. And what we did, what we, we had to set up previous places is, you know, the campus police would come talk. Uh, we would have some talk about, you know, relationship, uh, uh, you know, uh, sexual assault prevention. Um, we would have a talk about voting. That's something that we do, we, we put in last place voter registration uh you would have a talk about uh you know the 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 testing policy whatever that may be educating them on that um what else what else what else what else we would have try and have like if you can alumni who can create like a uh, panel and just talk about what it's like to be uh a player here then you get players you know your second year players hey this is what i wish i would have known as a newcomer and so you just educate them and they may be bored out there wazoos but it doesn't matter uh we educate them we want to make sure they know what's going on and then you walk them through a day because they still have to do test. i mean you know this they still have to do testing and they got to get this cleared and that cleared so you walk them through a day okay you guys we'll meet you at the you know six o'clock workout this is where you eat breakfast this is where you get checked for breakfast okay cool you went to breakfast okay this is where your class may be it may be in this area wherever it may be or it is over here Boom. Okay. When you come back for treatment, this is how you come in to get treatment. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. You know, we're practicing this, is how you get things. It's just educating them to where they can move faster. You know, you're not sitting there. Well, how did he, how does he not know how to do this? Or how does he not know how to do this? Or man, his teamwork is really easy. He should know how to do it. Well, let's, did we, did we teach him how to do it? Like, yeah. you know, we got to remind ourselves, especially mid years. Like, I mean, it's still kind of like, you know, someone probably think that make the right decision that I come too early. <laughs> you know, and then they then they get here and they notice that everybody else has had four days of lifting, so they're already like they already think they're behind, and they literally visually think they're behind again or even more. And so you want to educate them so when they start that Monday or that Friday, whatever it may be, that next week or at the end of the week, that they can just roll and they can do what they're the reason why you brought them here. They can do that. So, what what are the number one questions you ask those? previous group assignees, the previous class, um, how do you structure those questions? Because uh, I think there's a lot that you can learn by, you know, kind of uh, uh, what's, what's the, what's the word? Um, kind of doing a post-op, right? Like, like, hey, like yeah. checking back in and saying, okay, what did we do right? What did we not do so well? 
and how can we solve it? Right. I think to your point of what we did right, you asked them what in your transition, what was the best thing we did? And they say this, but like, it's kind of like I was talking to you yesterday about the business wars about like Hershey, like the company, they did something right and they never change. So just because you did it right doesn't mean that there can't be improvements or adjustments. Um, you know, so you say, okay, we did this right, but let's say, okay, let's say you had seven newcomers come and five of them said, hey, they all said the same thing went right, but two of them didn't. Well, how, how can we reach these two to where whatever we do right hits them all? Um, and then you find out what you didn't do wrong, right? Or, you know, oh, this could have been better. Or I wish I, this communication could have looked like this. And you change it. Um, I think that they'll be pretty open, you know, because you, when you take that much time to educate somebody, somebody, they know you care. So they'll be open on the back end. You're trying to make sure that, that the next group, their teammates would have a better experience. Yeah, the hardest and, part, the heart, well, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you going to say? You're good. I know I was going to say to your point by asking the questions for the next group, you'd ask them, the number one question is, what would you do? And I think you have to ask it in a way. What would you do differently to help your performance on and off the field? And then they would, I mean, that's open-ended. They're going to give you everything. And they, then you tell them, hey, now tell this to these new guys. What you do for I man? I wish it would have been time management. Or I wish I would have picked better friends. Or I wish I would have listened. Or I wish I would have downloaded this or whatever it may be. So when you're, um, I mean, I'm just reading through it and I, I'm definitely bouncing around. So well, you're good. Uh, we, we will definitely dive into different aspects of the book. But now that we're kind of on this track, when you talk about having a mentorship program, um, because that is a big piece of it and kind of that advice for the incoming freshmen, how do you select players to, to be those big brothers? Because um, I know that was a big thing that, that you took pride in at UH and even on official visits and kind of pairing up people with, with the right mentors, with the right personality, with the right kid from the right, you know, background. Um, right. What's your advice on, on kind of pairing up mentors? I think the biggest thing I've learned now is pairing up with somebody that can communicate. So if the player can communicate, the older player can communicate, that helps more than, cause you could pick, Let's say, oh, you pick Ed Jones, right? And Ed Jones has done everything right in the program, whatever it may be, blah, blah, blah. But Eddie Johnson is a better communicator than Ed Jones. And the newcomers aren't going to understand what Eddie, Ed Jones is saying, but Eddie Johnson can communicate. Um, and so I think for us, like I was having this conversation with our newcomers the other day. I said, dude, people like you because you communicate well. You Number one, he listens. And number two, he communicates well. Like he literally, whatever he is trying to say, he doesn't miss if it's to an adult or if it's to a, a teammate. And so you look at that and you say, well, if that's the case, well, let's get him to be a mentor because he can communicate our culture or communicate what we're asking him to do or communicate what he thinks this person should do better. Um, so I think that like, <laughs> if I could do it all over it again, if I could do it all over again from our time in Houston and other places is like, find the guys on your team that can communicate. Um, they're there, you know. I think so many times you get caught up in like, hey, let's go find the perfect model, right? The, let's, and that's fine, you know, but like if if that dude, can't, if he can't get, like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, okay, like I, he's awesome. I know he does it right, but I can't, first of all, I can't talk to him because he can't communicate, you know? Yeah. So I think that that's the big thing for me. Those that can, can communicate. 
because you can teach them like if they if they let's say they still are understanding the culture or still learning the culture you could teach them and they could communicate um it well yeah like give them uh some some guidelines of like hey this is what we need to communicate to the to the kid but in your own words in in your through through the lens of your experience mm-hmm. so let's dive into the book generational impact um yeah. that that phrase was the calling card at houston it's stuck it's been with you every step of the way when did that become your motto um it's kind of crazy when i was writing a book and i was thinking about everything and like pretty much going through acknowledgements i think it was always been there my entire life but i never knew how to say it so there's always like my my dad's dad my grandfather he passed away a couple years ago um he was his dad had left him when he was a young he was young and his mom when he was like 12 or 13 his mom went into the back room to breastfeed his um sister well, his sister starts screaming. So he goes back there and finds out that his mom died while breastfeeding his sister. So he's got a choice. He's got two choices. He can do what he's seen before in life, which is like do, you know, unfortunately what his, his dad did, which is, all right, I'm out. Y'all good luck. Or at 13, he could become the man of, of the house. And that's what he chose. And because he chose that, he never was formally educated. Um, we would always have to read his birthday cards to him. Like he couldn't read. I taught him how to yield at a light. He never knew that you can yield. Like, you know what I'm saying? But wow. he just, he never knew that. And I taught him when I was like 19, but because of that, all his kids uh, graduated high school, multiple of them uh, graduated. Uh, let me go first, first of all, excuse me, let me go back. All his brothers and sisters graduated high school and got uh, old, uh, secondary educations, university degrees, things like that. Their children are, you know, doctors and things like that. His children, my aunts and uncles are educated. Their children have got degrees, they're teachers, they're, you know, all of them have jobs. And so because he made one decision to stay there and say, you know what, I'm going to take care of my family. He has this lineage of people touching other people and making people's lives like, you know, greater, which is incredible. Like, you know, like for instance, I worked in Kansas. I didn't notice my cousin was a professor at Kansas. Like one of the guys came and was like, hey, your cousin is my professor. And I was like, wait, and I remember my aunt told me that, but I didn't think about it. So like, so basically he makes a choice to, um, you know, he makes a choice to stay there for his family. And, you know, 70 years later, 80 years later, he's got a grandson and a great nephew or whatever you want to call it on the same campus you know, educating and helping lead people, the next leaders in the United States. So, you know, you see stuff like that and that's kind of where it just that ripple effect, like it's just a choice. Like he didn't know what he, he just literally where he was at in his life, he decided I'm going to take care of the responsibility that's in front of me. And because of that, the responsibility, he was able to help others do that and continue on. So. That's beautiful. Like putting other people first and making that the priority and then seeing the effects of that down the line and the other thing i want to touch on before we we got into kind of the the meat and potatoes uh you've described this meeting to me before but it's been some time uh lawrence daniel the the meeting that lit a fire (laughs) under you you referenced it in passing at the end of the at the end of the acknowledgments can you uh 
put yourself back into that uh, experience and why, why was that a, a formative moment for you? Man, so Lawrence, so this was my, this is my senior year. No, it was my junior year. And I'm heading into uh, this um, internship with sports marketing at University of Houston. And they've given us, I've been there a year, I've done well. I know I'm doing well. I'm kind of feeling myself, I'm not gonna lie. Cause I'm like consistent, I'm coming up with these ideas. I came up with a shirt during the basketball season. Like we played Memphis and they're like, hey, we need a phrase. And I was like, real cats don't need stripes. And so we're playing the Tigers. They're like, oh, so I got all these shirts everywhere. And like the newspaper, like they had it on like, we won the game, I think, or I can't remember what we did, but it was like, it was on a newspaper, student newspaper. I'm like, yeah, so I'm feeling myself, right? And so we had to turn in this report for um, this marketing report or uh, basically a business plan, a marketing plan for the entire soccer season because I was on soccer. And I didn't, I didn't put much work into it. I changed some stuff. I edited some things. So they gave us an outline. I was like, ah, okay, this, we'll do this, whatever. I handed it to him. I emailed it to him. No, I emailed it to him. He came. He said, hey, I need to see you at like four o'clock or something. So I walk in there. I'm feeling good. Hey, what's up, Lawrence? How you doing? You know? And I mean, he completely annihilates me. He's like, what is this? This is garbage. Like, he's like, you really turned this into me? He's like, you're a junior, right? You want to work in this field, huh? I was like, yeah. He was like, this is terrible. Like, you'll never get a chance. You'll never see it. I mean, he is like, look at this. What is this? How do you do this? What happens if something goes wrong? I mean, he literally, like, it's red. And every page, like, the, the whole report is soaked in red. Like, literally. Like, just like, he could have just put paint on it. And I'm literally sitting there. He is destroying me. And dude, I'm holding back. Like, I'm so frustrated. I, like, I'm frustrated myself. I'm not mad at him. I'm more frustrated at myself and my work. And I'm like back there, like, dude, I was literally like, I fight tears, like, man, I let him down. Like, more just disappointment that I let him down. So he gives it to me. He's like, you got one day to get this. You got, you know, you better have this. This time tomorrow, this baby changer, you're done. Like, you're done. And I'm like, what? Dude, I legit went somewhere, grabbed something to eat, locked in. And I mean, I was just all night, like, boom, like, man, I put like eight to nine hours into this report, came back, handed it to him. I need to find it. I still have a copy of it. Handed it to him. And he was like, this is better. Like, this is much better. Like, you know, and he was like, now, why did I have to like, you know, like, why did I have to do that? You know? And he just, he taught me the aspect of like, I forgot how he said it, man. Oh my goodness. Um, talent's great. But effort takes talent to the next level. Like your talent, like even the stuff you came up with in the first report was good, but there was no detail, you know? And it's just like, man, it stuck with me, man. Like, cause the other supervisor did a better job, but I thank Lawrence for keeping it real with me. Like he destroyed me, man. <laughs> like, and so ever since then, man, I just like, I've taken aspects of like, when I turn stuff in, like, I want it to be great. Or if someone's asked me to do something for them for their name, I want it to be great. So if, you know, if a head coach comes to me and say, hey, I need this done. Can you get this done? I need this in a week. I want to make sure, like, he's floored. Like, like wow. Even if who, I don't care who gets the credit, but that that taught me that, man. It's just, man, that, that taught me a lot, man. About taking pride in, in every little just detail. and Pride in every detail. I'm still learning it in some cases, but just, like, literally pride. Like, your name, it taught me that. You, you put your name on a report, that is that tells everybody everything about you how you do something, right? So going back to this book, yeah, I, I had the material, I could have typed it in a year or two months, but it took a whole entire year because once again, I would look at it and like, no, 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 that's not, I want it to be, you know, great. If people have questions, yeah, the people are gonna have questions, people have questions for everything, but I don't want people to be like, huh? 
you know, I'd rather people say, wow, this is really good. Can you go deeper into this? Or what do you think about this? So. And, and we're about 50, 53 pages. And then it goes into some acknowledgements. It's, it's right yeah. around 50, 50 some odd pages. Right. And the thing that I appreciated was just how direct it was. You didn't beat around a bush. You just went straight to, hey, if you're building a framework for player development and regardless of where you are, here are the, the tenants. Here, here are the, the areas of focus. And kind of starting with the three pillars of development, personal wellness, community impact, and career development, I like how it kind of encapsulates the entire experience of a student athlete. But how did you land on those three? Yeah, so it started when we were at Houston. Um, I, it was number one, when, when Joe Alcoza got there, Joe added me to speak to recruits on official visits. And it was something I hadn't done in my time there. Um, and I didn't want to be the, um, oh, here's just our player development guy, you know? I wanted to be, I wanted parents to see like we have an actual program. And so um, when that happened, I was like, okay, well, let me, how do I do this? And then actually around the time that happened, I had, um, the t around the time that happened, I started meeting with companies and I was going to these companies and telling them, hey, you know, we would love to work with you all. We would love to do this. We would love to do that. And they're handing me pamphlets and I'm sitting there like, uh, <laughs> and they're like, so tell us more about you. And I'm like, uh, you know, we just have players that, you know, want to have these careers. So I'm like, all right, this is, this is embarrassing. And so I kind of went around and researched uh, some student athlete development programs. A lot of people had like this and leadership, which I, 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 I agree and enjoy. They had this, this, that, some had seven pillars, but the three that just stuck out to me personally, because once again, if it's a program that you're running, it has to kind of tie into what, you know, you know, some of your passions were personal wellness, uh, community impact and career development. And those are three that just stuck out to me like sore thumb. Like those three are three that I just believe that, that, that this team I'm with right now, these are very necessary. And so stuck with those and then found some pillars within that, started doing some research on my own and um, you know, kind of connected with the people at the University of Houston, their community service. And we, you know, we had some ideas. I really liked they, the way they went about things and um, career development, just kind of seeing how it works, like actually like the process of it. And those are three that stuck. And so then, you know, came up with Beyond the Field title with Adam Kordaji in the parking lot one day um, to kind of make it real. But the, the, to answer your question, those three just, out of all the pillars people had, those three stuck out to me as three that, were number one, I was passionate about. Number two, I felt like our coaches on the, when they were on the road, it was something that they could remember quickly. We're going to take care of you. You're going to take care of the community. And we'll take care of your career. Um, and then just number three, you have something that the players could get. The players knew, you know, like, hey, all right, they knew we were going to do something in the community. They knew we were going to do career stuff. They knew we were going to take care of them. And with the personal wellness side, uh, we kind of touched on that already. On community impact, I love how you've broken it up into different categories and we'll let people buy the book to, to read more into right. that. But can you give me some examples of some guys that really took their game to another level and really uh, thrived? And there's, there's one in particular I'm thinking of with, you know, Keith Corbin, right? Like, oh. like he was struggling in the classroom. He was struggling just with all the stress of you know everything that 
entails being a student athlete and you started creating these community service opportunities and he was at every single one of them. And it was amazing to see him and other players on the team. But um, are there any specific examples you wanna share about how the community impact um, helping others really helps yourself at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, I think the one um, that really stuck out to me that kind of snuck up on a lot of people was Jordan Milburn had like, <laughs> my man had like, he got like everything, every time we went to one, he was there. Um, and I think it helped him because you remember Jordan was, a, he kept to himself, like very few words, but he was interested in getting into coaching. Um, and I think by him going around and spending time at these schools and spending time with teachers, whatever it may be, or whatever we did, he got more comfortable, you know, expressing himself, uh, got more comfortable with conversation with others. Um, like, and he just, I, it kind of to him, he was like, I remember one time he told me, like, yeah, coach, I definitely want to coach, you know, like I, I feel like I could do this. And so story like him, I remember one time, you know, Romello Brooker did a lot of stuff that we didn't know about. Romello, you know, befriended a young man at the children's hospital and he visit him every week or Emil Fleming, you know, Emil would go down to uh, Lamarck uh, to, you know, senior homes once every week. We didn't find this out to the sophomore year. Like Emil was putting in time every week and they would just, you know, spend this time. And you just see like, yeah, we were like watching like the news, like yeah, TV yeah. on and he's yeah. like on the news. We're like, what? And, yeah. and he's like, got all these hours and, and right. built up this whole deal. It was impressive. Yeah, we, yeah, we brought him in his office and we were like, in our office, and I'm like, Will, you just he's like, man, you know, I just, you know, I go out there every week, I keep to myself. <laughs> but um, just stories like that, man, of just guys building confidence in, once again, communication, you know, uh, confidence in themselves, you know, confidence in just, and because the player, the, the, the students at school know that they're players, but like they just get joy with them just being there. You know, I think so many times the, the, the joy of their presence is bought on by their athletic skill in the moment. But I think them having an opportunity to see like, hey, people really value people just for who they are. You know, like, yeah, the kids are like, yeah, you play, you got a jersey on, sweet. But are you going to read this book to me or not? You know? <laughs> yeah. And I personally, I love the, the part as you kind of transition from those pillars of development into the learning process, how you've got this like inverse relationship between community service and career focus, where mm -hmm. the career side isn't really much of a priority early on. It's more about right. identifying um, your passions and what you're good at and what you want to excel at. Um, whereas the community side helps eliminate the the distractions that usually right. creep right. up year one so you talked about how the education part is so important with newcomers especially and you know getting your your you know your feet settled in and knowing where everything is and being able to quote unquote execute but there's also the education side of okay here are all the resources we have on campus um, let's dive into you and figure out, kind of identify what you want to accomplish in your time here at X school. Can you talk about how you approach that with um, freshmen and, and even sophomores? Because, yeah, I didn't know I, exactly what I wanted to do when I was a sophomore. I mean, really, I, I've always felt like freshman, sophomore year is kind of like that discovery period. 
So how can college coaches and, and really specifically player development people do a, do a better job of helping these guys uh, map out the right path and not necessarily just go down one because that's what they're supposed to do? I personally, and hopefully we, I, I, I think we would definitely implement because I'm, my approach here is 100 days. I'm here. I'm, I'm observing things. And then that's when I'm like, okay, here's our plan, you know, create generational impact. Um, but number one, I believe it's personality tests, getting those guys to sit down and take personality tests. The cool thing about personality tests, we had a, I, I, first time I saw it in person was at a leadership retreat um, that our student athlete development program held at Kansas. And one of our players was like, yo, this is literally who I am. This is what my dad always like. And then it tells you who you get along with and who you struggle with. He's like, this is why me and so-and-so don't get along because we do this. But it also tells them how you can communicate to get better. So I think personality tests go a long way because it unearths some things that either they did know or didn't know. You know, I did an exercise with uh, Tori Teco at Kansas. Um, I forgot what it is. It was one of Craig Rochelle's exercise. I got it somewhere but you circle people's strengths and weaknesses. And she circled strengths I didn't, I definitely didn't think I had, you know? Um, and I was like, wow, like, I think, or I think it's just strengths. Yeah, it's, it's I think it's just a strength deal. But it's, I think that's number one. Um, I think number two, this actually happened last week. I had a planner, so I was showing one of our players the importance of planning. And so I showed them, I had my passion planner and I showed them, you know, what, I had put in a year before and kind of like one of the deals I had put on there was hopefully to get an assistant AD position within a year or two. And I got it within two months. And he was like, coach, that's awesome. Like, so this guy, three months, one year, three years, five years life. He's like, yeah, we should do that. And I was like, you're right. like <laughs> Because it's very like you put down a date and they have to their goals for three, you know, three months, whatever it may be. Um, so I think that's the other thing, too. So you find out, you know, personality, who they are. Do you help them with, like, legit practical goal setting? Not like, hey, you know, and I will say that the three top goals, we got a lot out of that. But I think if you say, okay, now that these are your three top goals, and you say, okay, in three months, how can you get here? Or in, in a year, this time next year, where do you want to be? You know, or, you know, whatever it may be. I think there's opportunities to do that. Um, and then I've heard something, like, that a lot of people have done. I, I want to do it, but I feel like if I do it, I'm gonna, like I'm gonna write forty some pages, but like a letter to yourself. Um, you know, I think if we had them write a letter to themselves, like, hey, you know, right when they sign. So like, literally, imagine if a kid just signed a uh, a letter of intent, right on sign National Sign Day. On the next day, it's position coach or coach says, hey, I want you to write a letter to yourself and say, hey, someone's, you know. You just signed this, college is coming, and you may feel this way, but guess what? You're prepared, whatever it may be. And then, you know, you kind of, when they get on campus, you kind of look at that stuff. So I think those are different ways, but just kind of getting them to get back into them, you know, like, like unearth, because they can kind of get, you know, you know how it is, man. Athletics, you get autopilot, man. I, I'm here, I'm supposed to be here. This is what I do, this is what I do, this is why I'm coaching. That, and that, that's part of it. We all know that. But getting them to kind of see themselves um, different ways. Yeah. And then which transitions into the engage part where now that you kind of know what your goals are, now that you know what what your passions are, you know, really specifically to you and, and what you're good at, um, kind of starting to interact with alumni, players, campus, careers. I, I want to dive into transferable skills when it comes to this. 
right. because I know this is something that you're really passionate about because there's this, maybe it's imposter syndrome. Maybe it's a, oh, yeah. a, a, just a, a stress reaction because athletes have a significantly uh, more demanding schedule than the regular workforce, than the regular student at X school. Talk about transferable skills and what they mean to student athletes. Yeah, so uh, we talk about this in recruiting, and I sit there and I'll talk to like, you know, let's say if it's a quarterback, I say, hey, quarterback, all right, when you come up to, when you break the huddle, you come up to the line of scrimmage, right? You're looking over, you look this, you look over, you see this linebacker creeping, you're calling out a, a, a protection immediately if it's a pass play, or you're calling out an audible, or you see a safety shift, or you see like one foot in front of the other, like that literally right there is critical thinking and problem solving. Like that is a skill. So like literally, if you walk into a workforce, you notice like, I don't know, you can notice the temperature of the room, you can notice, hey, something's not, whatever it may be, and you're like, hey, let's solve a problem. Or you may notice, hey, this company that we're working with said they were going to do this, but they switched it on us. Like, let's be prepared for this. You know what? Like, it's just, you. that's literally what you're learning in the film room. Hey, they're showing this, but they're going to switch to this, you know? <laughs> right. Um, those skills work, right? So, like, number one, one of the biggest things that, you know, this past year in our country is, like, diversity. It's like, those guys literally work in diversity every single day. Every single day. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care where he's from. I don't care what he believes. I don't care what he does on weekend. I don't care what he, you know, whatever, whatever. That's my teammate. We got to win, you know? Like, so you get in a situation where you go work at a company. It's like, yeah, so, okay. Like we can get this done. We can get this project done. Um, so those skills, like we try and show them, like you're learning so much here because to, to your point, you don't get as much time as a regular student to get an internship and do this stuff. But the regular student also isn't getting their skills <laughs> um, enhanced every single day, you know, by coaching, by practice, by watching film, by lifting weights, different things like that. Like you're getting your skills enhanced every single day by being a student athlete while this student is just getting an opportunity. And at the end of the day, if a company's going to pay, right. If a company's going to pay a hundred thousand dollars for people to come in and talk about problem solving, critical thinking, at some point they're going to say, why don't we just, hire people that are great at problem solving critical thinking so we can say i'd rather spend a hundred thousand dollars creating two positions or spend a hundred thousand dollars to pay somebody to be you know every day so because um, instead of having to correct bad habits or or doing right. it a certain way um you're a more kind of moldable piece of clay correct to me which one is easier to teach work etiquette or to teach skills <laughs> work etiquette's easy hey yeah. man when you come in here you gotta wear this and that's it. Okay, sweet. Awesome. I got it. But especially if you tell an athlete that, because that's all they, they've done. That. Hey, yeah. here's your uniform. This is what you need to succeed. Blah, blah, blah. This is your equipment that you need. Put this on. Blah, blah, blah. Go out there and make it happen. Okay, cool. Got it. So. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. Um, gosh, I have so many different aspects I can go. Um, is there anything you you wanted to touch on with the, the learning process? Because I did, I there, did. There's a there's a up, lot in there. You brought up something, and it's it's crazy. So you said freshman sophomore year, we didn't know what we want. The second semester of my sophomore year was when I really toned it. Like I'm like, man, I'm close to like you. Literally, see the finish line of college. Like you're like, okay, I have including that semester five semesters, and I'm out of here, right? Um, and so that's kind of how the learning process when we get to engage that's really when we start engaging honestly that's when I pick interns I pick interns 
the second semester of their sophomore year because I feel like they've already got out the freshman, you know, the, the I'm in college, the immaturity, the whatever it may be, the indecisiveness, blah, 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 blah. You get to that second semester of your sophomore year, like it's, it's buckle up time. And so it's crazy, but I, it's always worked for me. Like, you know, I know I talk about Lauren Hawkins. She was incredible. That was the second semester of her sophomore year. Um, and they just, and you, and you, you interview them, you find that out, you see the passion, like they, they're clicking, not to say that, you know, it wasn't clicking before, but like, they just, they're there, they're literally at the finish line, <laughs> like, or midway of the 400, they're at the 200 and you're like, okay, all right. Like, yeah. So that kind of, you mentioned that earlier. Cause I was like, you was like, I didn't know what I did first year. I was like, yeah, me either until the second semester. And I was like, okay, this sports administration deal, I could do this, you know? So yes. I have a bunch of scouts that uh, really one in particular that gave me an, a couple of awesome questions that I want to hit you with. Let's go. Uh, the first question that I got that was just, it was really good. It, it really kind of hit home um, for me. Uh, I kind of shared this with you yesterday, but you know, everybody talks about, Oh yeah, we recruit and we develop, we recruit and we develop and, and nobody's going to say, yeah, we don't develop our players. I mean, it's like, right. <laughs> you know, a recruiting nightmare. Um, but the the truth of the matter is that everybody develops um, at a different rate and at a different level based on the resources and how they utilize their resources. So can you give me some concrete examples on maybe a, a situation or, or a specific student athlete where, you know, you made the most of the resources you had to get a true development in, in the player. And uh, I think you wanted to talk about Roman Brown. Yeah. So Roman, the, the thing that was pretty cool about Roman, like Roman knew, like he knew I was just understanding his player development deal, but whenever we had something to do, Roman was there. Roman really dove into himself. And so uh, the one thing I will say before I dive in deeper Roman, the thing about the player development position is something I learned when I was a teacher. Somebody told me when I was a teacher, an old teacher told me my first year, he's so frustrated. Why don't they all get it? And he used to say, you can't, you can't save them all. And that's the thing that's frustrating. You put out these programs, resources, everybody's not going to, you know, take advantage of it. And that's fine. But anyway, so Roman was like, he'd take advantage. He did community stuff. He's at all career stuff. He's at all these things here. And so um, you kind of saw, like you said, his confidence kind of started to peak his senior year. Now Roman went from a guy that was just, you know, I think he was just doing special teams to like a guy who started like some games for us. I think he got honorable mention. He might've got, or got some votes for all conference um, his senior year. Um, but based off that decision, the decision that Roman made to get developed, Roman is now, he has a podcast. He has a bell. I think it's bell athletics. He helps other student athletes. So me and him got on the phone the other day. He's like, Hey, I just want to help student athletes talk about their, you know, their transition, what they're doing, like, and so now he's empowering other student athletes because he was empowered. And so number one, it goes back to the question, like he actually got developed and number two, generational impact. So now he is helping somebody else. And so you get those moments where that can happen. Yeah, we all have this grand scheme of we're gonna develop, it's a 40 year decision. I've never used that because truly when you say that, you can get out of it because that's a per like if a person takes advantage of that, it becomes a forty year decision. And so we everybody, every university can say that, right? Every university can say, hey, you know, if you come here, we, you know, you can change the rest of your life. Yeah, if you want to. So I would rather give them the skills or the platform or the knowledge of how you actually can change your life. What it what does it look like? Is it? It's not always the NFL, you know. Like you may make more money, you know 
in your field over the span of 30, 40 years than you would have over a six or seven year career in the NFL. Um, so, how, do have that, how do you have that talk with a player? Um, Cause this was another question, like the heads and tails, the two sides of the coin where uh, a player is experiencing like a ton of success, you know, right. year two and year three start to get hit up by agents. How do you advise him versus a player that kind of put all his eggs in one basket on the, on the right. field and wasn't involved as much as he, you know, probably should have been with internships right. or off the field um, in the community. And he's probably a fringe NFL guy. You're pretty sure he's not going to make it, but you don't want to, you know, bust someone's dreams. Right. Because I mean, that's, that's part of the experience of being a student athlete, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to help that guy for life. So how do you have those two conversations and what are the resources that, that we can provide, you know, our players? So I'll talk about well, for both individuals, we're never going to bust an NFL dream. So for the guy that actually has a greater chance, what we say is, okay, awesome. You're going to make good money. What are you going to do with that money? You know, uh, there was a term I heard the uh, about a month ago on this podcast called Sudden Wealth. I was like, holy smokes. Like, and they do training on sudden wealth. But what I used to tell them too is like, hey, do you know that checks stop when the season's over? Oh man, coach, I didn't know that. I was like, yeah, so what are you going to do in those six months that you're off? Like, you know, what do you plan on doing? Like, are you just going to train the entire six months? I get that, but like, why not make money? Why are you making money and find something that you're passionate about to make money? or passive income, whatever, you know? And I think that, that's one thing, like we had a young man at Kansas who plays in Bengals now, Hakeem Adeniji. Hakeem was really big in entrepreneurship and fashion, you know, and finding like, seriously, like clothes for big guys. And so we connected him with some people in Cincinnati um, and some people in Dallas where he trains that that do those things. Um, and so it's like, once again, you made it to the NFL awesome. What are your passions? What are you still passionate about? Making the NFL that change your passions. You know, you look at Von Miller, right? Von Miller has the, the, the farm or, you know, it's whatever he ranches with his chickens. Like, you know, yeah. if I'm still making money, like, it, you know, it's like, you want to tell them like, they, they I, I don't know. It just feels like they get to the, like, sometimes I've had conversations. They feel like, oh man, I made it. Like, you think Sam Walton stopped when he stopped, when he had his first million or, you know, do you think Warren Buffett stopped after he made his first million or, you know, Bill Gates or whoever, right? Or look at LeBron James. Like he, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, and it's like, it's out there. Why wouldn't you continue to, you put yourself in a platform because you're in the NFL. So you have that shield behind you, which opens the doors for you to make relationships with so many other people so you can make more money. Um, so we talk about passions and continuing. Now they actually changed the CBA. I found this out from um, my guy at Buffalo to where the checks run through March. So that kind of, it doesn't defeat that conversation, but still it's like, okay, awesome. You still get checks through March, but what are you doing? You know, what will you do with your off seasons? Like to make money, you know, like, your passion, or if you know what they're passionate about, you ask them about it, right? So, like for instance, if if Ed Oliver ever called me, like, Ed, what are you doing with your, you know, your horses, your ranch? You know, are you breeding? Are you, you know, whatever? He's probably already doing that. Ed had a really, I mean, you talked to Ed when he he knew he was going and he knew what he wanted to do outside of football. You know what I'm saying? He knew he wanted to breed horse. So we that was an easy, that was easy for us. But you know, um, let's say there's a fringe guy. You know, um, the fringe guys like, look, man, like okay, you, 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 you could be there. Like, you know, you, you have the measurables or you, you know, you, you have great production, but you don't have the measurables. Um, you have to, I'll use, I'll use, um, as a matter of fact, I'll use uh, Romello, Romello Booker for um, an example. Romello, his junior year, you know, good season, you know, was our starting tight end, did well. 
Romello had a job to New York life, like a job, like legit. When he was done with school, he had a position. So with that, him having that security, Romello went out and had a senior year where he was like, whoa, like, and he had opportunity to play for the Rams and get opportunity in XFL. So it's like, and so I tell other people, like when I have these stories, I bring up Romello, like when I was at Kansas, like Romello literally took care of everything that I'll be in a carpool. He took care of everything in his personal life and became a better player because he didn't have to think about stuff in his personal life because he knew he had a job either way. And then he actually got to go, get to, go to the NFL. And so I think that's that's one way, um, but it goes back to them identifying their passion. So once again, going back to them, that, that personal identification of themselves, that's how I kind of go about it. Yeah. And when it comes to, you know, program development, um, just to dip back into the resources side, uh, how can we kind of audit, okay, what can we do, right? Because, you know, at smaller schools, it's easy to say, oh, well, we don't have enough people. We don't have enough bandwidth. We can't do this. We can't do that. And at bigger schools, it's easy to say, oh, we'll just do it all, right? And every single place is going to be different. So how would you audit, say, you know, internal resources, external resources, your roster and your staff? Like, how do you take those different components within your football program and say, okay, this is who we are. This is what we want to be. And this is, you know, how we can move forward. Right. I think number one, you look at what every university is going to have, right. And I'm going to talk about university before I talk about high school. But every university, every university is going to have a career center or a career staff. It may not be in athletics, but it's for the university. And every university is also going to have an alumni organization, an alumni staff. So there right there are two people that, you know, let's say if I'm at a smaller school or, you know, let's say one day I, I take a, you know, the, the chips fall how they may. I take a D, uh, an AD job at a D3 school. Right. Okay, sweet. I'm about to go meet with the career center and I'm about to go meet with the alumni people. Because those are two that are at every campus that need that that those resources that we need to help our student athletes with. Right. You get the alumni, and I talk about it a little bit in the book, you can create not only mentorship, but you can create career development avenues. And in some cases, you know, personal wellness avenues where you may have an alumni that move from another state. You know, you know how it is, man. Every alumni, every university has alumni from these states, and so Either they, there's somebody they can connect with and they go back home or somebody who's from their place who now moved to the city where the university is. But you you find, you look for what's already there. So I think so many people spend time on like, man, well, so-and-so does this and they have six people on staff or this university does this or, or Ed Jones does this. And it's like, well, what do we have? Okay, number one, we have every university have a career center. Every university can have alumni center. Um, and then every university is not gonna have personal personal wellness. So there's um, you know, counseling, there's things like that. So you find those three staffs, and you may not have a staff for your football program, but you go over there and you tell them, you talk to them, meet with them, and you give them the culture of what the program is. You get them in, in in contact with the head coach, or maybe your AD goes over and talks to them. But you can bridge those gaps and get them on your team. Bring some gear. Everybody loves gear. That's the easiest way to do it. Oh, um, yeah. As far as high school, every I think every school district has a career center. Um, I know there's a lot of school districts bring, building career schools. And so if you're a high school coach, head coach, you're like, well, all right, coach, I'm a high school coach. Our university has this. I know at um, 
when I coached at Hightower High School, we had, um, I can see her face, Miss um, Hildago. She handled careers. And she also handled like uh, university admissions. And so not only that, so if you're like, a, let's say you're the recruiting coordinator at a high school, you have somebody on staff who is your college liaison or whatever, she already knows admission staff. So she can get you a stack of like, hey, these are, you know, this is the GPAs you need, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. All right, sweet. You got that covered. Cool. You got a career center. Hey, they can start. They have these tests. They start finding out what, what strengths uh, student athletes have. Awesome. Sweet. And then as a football coach um, or whatever sport you coach, there's going to be alumni that play there that want to give back. Right. They want to give back. And so you help them out. So like, for instance, at Hightower High School, one of our alumni is uh, Herbert Taylor. He played uh, he played for the Chiefs and the Giants. And uh, he had, remember the uh, Ray's Barbecue Shack? And he's still, yeah. Yeah, so that's his. And so we we brought him back and to talk to our, and that was our plan when I was at Hightower and University Houston intercepted that. But bringing him back to talk about entrepreneurship, why wouldn't you do that? Like, why would you bring a guy who, especially a guy who's on his level? I mean, first of all, you could bring back Ed Jones. When you bring back Herbert Taylor, who played in the league and was all conference and in college and all this stuff, like that helps. So you have alumni who want to help. Um, that are looking, begging to find ways to get it done. Of course, you got to, you know, discern, go through the process, whatever it may, may be. But I think there are resources there. And I would say that there are solidified resources in, in high school and even college and probably even junior college. This is really good stuff. Um, and the gear side, I remember when you started having those kind of like, I think it was every month you got with the uh, – the student, uh, the student fan group uh, oh, yeah. at UH, the Coo crew, crew, the Coo crew, <laughs> and you and you talked about it the last episode. You get them some pizza, get them some gear, they'll show up. The last question I have for you is, how how are you able to balance, you know, like the all of those relationships, all of those um, the the networking that has to occur, right? Because you can't just you know, wait eight months and then call up that, that company and be like, right. Hey, I got a guy for you. Um, right. you know, you gotta be at the front of their mind. You, you, you gotta have like a, a legit, you know, genuine relationship, but, um, you also have duties on a day-to-day -day basis that right. it, you're not just sitting on your phone, calling people and texting people all day. Um, right. you would be worthless. So how do you right. balance those two, <laughs> those two things? Cause it's hard. Right. Cause like, uh, I, I remember, I would give you so much crap for having 80 text messages unread on your phone. And I'm over here now, 103 and okay. I, and I'm struggling, man. So it's tough, uh, man. <laughs> how do you do it? Um, I think you treat it almost like, um, I, I, just call, I, I hate to call it this, but timeline time, right? So you just scroll down your timeline for a little bit. And just like I would, like any coach, high school coach, right? I can't keep all the relationships with them. And, well, I can't keep the relationship, but it's hard to reach out to them, you know, especially when I moved to Kansas where, you, you know, you don't, you don't recruit the same, necessarily recruit the same area. But timelines keep you updated. Hey, man, congratulations on winning district. Hey, congratulations on getting married. Hey, congratulations on, you know, getting a head coaching job at this university, uh, excuse me, at this school, whatever it may be, or university if it's a college, you know, stuff. So like for LinkedIn, like when I scroll down my timeline, somebody gets a, you know, a promotion or like a company does something, they post something like, hey man, keep it up, man. Y'all doing a great job, man. Let, let's, let's connect sometime or, you know, whatever it may be. And it's just like touch points. I think the hard part for me personally, you know this about me because I love connecting with people. 
the toughest part for me now, especially in this role with the responsibility that I have, is just the aspect of like actually connecting with people. Like I tried and I just, the first week I was here, like people, you know, cause you, you know, you get a new job and everybody's like, Hey, I, I want to know more about it. And I'm very like, yeah, let me get with you. And I'm like, my inbox is like full of, Oh my God, like this is bad. But just what I've done, um, sorry, go back to your original question. It's just that timeline time. So you, you, you this company's doing well, boom. Hey man, you know, whatever, you know, LinkedIn kind of helps you out. So-and-so got a promotion, say congrats, yep. whatever it may be. And so you reach out to them, whatever it may be, or a company, you know, you see them like, for instance, I saw, um, when I was, I think I was, yeah, I was in Kansas. When I was in Kansas, some like my Google, Google also gives you this like cheat sheet. One of these companies, one of these companies we work with was like one of the top, just got voted one top. Hey man, you know, congratulations. Y'all doing a great job. Or, you know, for instance, you know, you, when you get to learn chamber of commerce. And so like, I knew like the Lenexa chamber of commerce and one of their, their businesses becomes like number one business in the state. You reach out to them like, Oh, I know y'all doing a great job. Like, Oh, wow. That's so awesome that you got somebody in here. So it's just those little, those little like touch points, you know, to the point, like, here you go. Like, awesome. Like, we'll love to connect with you. Let's see what after, thing I've learned to say too is like hey after spring football I'll have more time or on the bye week I'll have more time or after the season I'll have more time after the holidays like and it's it's tough for me because I'm very open in my life but you have to make time especially now you know my family's growing I, I, I can't be on my phone or computer all the time but like that's how I use it like LinkedIn I'll, I'll scroll and just see kind of keep up with people all right sweet awesome boom or I make Twitter list um getting back to that so if it's kc businesses or you know houston businesses or whatever it may be or houston alumni or, or dallas businesses or whatever you just kind of scroll real quick okay if you take five minutes to scroll okay five minutes boom then five minutes to text people hey hope all is well saw that you guys uh you know you're building a new company out somewhere else wherever congratulations on that i know there's a project you talked about or if you just randomly remember something that they talked to you about like Hey, I know y'all talking about expansion. How did that go? You know, did you get the employee you needed? Blah, blah, blah. I just keep it short. So that's kind of how I do it. Yeah. Good old and, and texting somebody right then and there. And if Yeah, I've had yeah. to learn that. You helped me with that. Like, you know who else helped me with that? B. Yep. <laughs> he, said, he said it in the most B way. He was drinking coffee and he was like, man, Jones, a lot of people say they like you, man, but man, it must, they just don't understand why you don't respond to them. And I was like, oh. <laughs> So that helped. And another thing too, Will Baggett taught me this. Will said, if it takes less than two minutes, just respond. Yep. Because you know me, I'm like, that's why I have 80 messages. I'll, I'll get back to that. I'll get back to that. I'll get back to that. You never get back to it. Thank thank you for taking time again. I mean, we're we're over an hour here. Um, we we honestly could probably go another hour if we wanted to. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna do that to you on Easter Sunday. So happy Easter to you and the family. Yeah. We've Thank got you. a bunch of fan questions as well. Come on, fans. Um, I, some of these are just statements like, you know, one of our signees says, do you even lift, which I don't. So thanks for rubbing that in my face. My wife gives me a problem about it now. Uh, you lift. Um, I'm trying to get there just because I'm in such a rhythm of just running. And like, yeah. I have the time set aside and I'm trying to run a lot of miles. Um but what time do you get up and, and get your lifting? Cause I've seen you dropping a bunch of videos on, on Instagram and you're stronger than you were in high school. 
dude, it's incredible. Like one day I just walked in the weight room and our strength staff has a workout up there. I was like, I'm just going to do it. Like, and I modified it, of course, because I was like, man, I can't do all this stuff. And then eventually you do it in a player walks and like, man, coach. And like, dude, I'm like, I'm kind of, it's, it's kind of scary. It's almost scary. Like how strong you get, you're just consistent. Um, but yeah, that's, it's been crazy. I just, because I, I walked in there, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do shoulders. I'll do some arms, whatever. And I was like, well, let me just, they have a plan literally right here. And so it's been helping big time. I so need you to run. How, my how, wife. how many days out of the week are you? Are oh, sorry. Up? Four. four. Okay. Well, three. They, they were going four. So I did all the lists, whatever the players did. But now they're doing three. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, the schedule I want to have, this is what I'm setting up. If I go to sleep by nine, I'll wake up at 4.30, yep. in the gym Five, be done at five, go to my office, reef at six, and then do breakfast check at seven, and then the rest of the day is there. But um, I try and get at least, at least 30 minutes if I can, 30 minutes of good lifting. So like, if I go in there, I look at it, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do that, 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 and that, boom. So. Yeah, 4.30 is a sweet spot. If you can go to bed before 10, get up at 4.30, you get so much done in a day. Um, One o'clock feels like 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm eating lunch at eleven thirty. Hold on. You're right. I just disconnected. You're good. Can you hear me? Just, yeah, I can hear you. Just like your wife tells you, do you live? My wife's like, hey, did you do cardio? I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so I hey, well, that's cool. So if we're just like, you know, yeah. you know, they they take both of our our traits and put us together, we're like a superhero. Right. Um, so one guy said, get compliance to let me on your show. I'm so sorry. Um, I'll just call you Mike. Uh, I would love to have you on the show. We, we actually recorded the entire show and I found out I couldn't have him on the show. Really sad deal. Um, Coach Everett, uh, love it, bro. Seriously. Tim Silvernail said, what's your favorite color? So you can't say just green because I know it's not. My favorite color is always, my favorite color has always been red. So that's why it was fun at Houston for a little bit. Um, yeah. I had to throw away like half of my gear um, just because it'd be a bad deal if I wore it at Rice. But favorite color uh i didn't have one i honestly don't like it's crazy i'm not a man of favorites but basing it off of gear i like black gear so i i like yeah. black, black yeah and it's so funny like it doesn't matter what school you're at like we're at rice and black isn't even a color and right. half the coaching staff on any given practice yeah. is wear all black like oh yeah um What's the role of seven on seven in recruiting or, or is there not a role? Like shoot me straight. You're a former high school coach. Uh, I have an opinion, but I want to hear you first. I just, I, I get it from a team building standpoint at, with a team. Um, like when you, you're high school, when I played, we did it with our high school. I just, it's not in recruiting. It's not football. You're not getting hit. Like that. I mean, football is violent. Like you have to, like, you know, I mean, yeah, you can, I mean, it, it can show you things, how guys can cover, how guys sit in windows, how quarterbacks timing, different things like that. There, there's some things you can take out of it, but like nobody's going to give us, I, I honestly believe nobody's going to give a scholarship off of 707. Because at the end of the day, like that time is nice, but if you got a, a, a you know, a Ed Oliver at Westfield in your face, like <laughs> you, like, doesn't matter. I don't know. I just, I think it's, it's, it's good team building. I think it's good for com, like com, com, competitive 
opportunity to see guys compete. I think there are some aspects of the competition that are starting to be like, okay, that's Bush League, whatever it may be. Um, so I, I, I would compare it to a non, I hate to say this because I'll probably get destroyed when I say this, but like almost like a non-varsity track meet. Yeah. You, just, you get to see guys compete. Like, are you going to compete? Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much it for me. I, I just kind of see it as like movement skill. Like, yeah. I want to see what the ball looks like. It's it's updated throwing clips for a quarterback. It's, very true. It's very updated true. body type, so I can see what a dude looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, are they able to create separation? And you and you definitely can't put too much into it. Um, right. I think it's a piece, small piece, not the not the piece of the puzzle. Right. How does the pandemic change recruiting numbers for the next few classes? We've talked yeah. about it a couple of times on the show. Um, how do you see it? I think, well, <laughs> so something that kind of happened because of the pandemic that affected numbers was transfer portal. Yeah. Because coaches weren't able to go see guys. Of course, they're going to go with a guy who's got college film. And so I, that's kind of, the numbers are, it's tough, man. That the pandemic is tough. I was thinking about this the other day with pro days and the senior class from last year who played in the 2020 season, or excuse me, the 2019 season, and, you know, didn't get to rookie camps or, you know, preseason ball, or it's just like, I think, I think it may have an effect for two years. I think after this, next year, we, I think we'll finally probably be back. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is the, I think this is the year that it gets hit the worst yeah. because everybody's eligibility got put on pause um scholarships have to go back down to 85 after we were able to go up over for the number of seniors we have so just for all the recruits and recruiters listening out there i mean this is going to be the smallest class probably in my opinion i think this would be the smallest class and maybe ever um, across the board now some schools are going to just push people out the building um it'll be interesting to see you know who's able to sign if there's anybody that's able to sign a full class um that, that'll be really intriguing. And then um, how often as a recruiter do you need to be assessing your 110 overall roster and, and 85 man scholarship board just from a, a wants needs perspective? Oh, you know, we were, we were, for, we were for, for Bobby Bear. So that's every, <laughs> yep. I mean, every spring or every summer, like you, like everybody's getting evaluated every single day. I think there's a, I mean, that's, I'm okay with that. That's, I mean, I think you, you have to every day, Yeah. you know, I have what's called a, a admin block and every day I'm like, you know, reassessing it, going back through it. If, even if it's five minutes, two minutes, three minutes, right. um, you know, whether it's okay today, I'm going to check out you know, our walk-ons for the next two, three cycles. Right? Next right. day, I'm going to check out the board. Then I'm going to check out, okay, what's, what's available. What are we still trying to fill? Okay. If this happens, then what happens next? And I think you have to really take the approach of uh, if-then uh, scenarios where it's all hypothetical, right? Because you don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but you've got to kind of project, okay, if we make this decision, how is that, what's the trickle effect? Um, right. And and really, I, I kind of see it as, and you can kind of chime in, um, you know, pre-spring ball, post-spring ball, heading into summer, Absolutely. coming back from summer, because now you're talking about starting fall camp, end of fall camp, and then Absolutely. 
the bye week is huge. Yeah. And then the end of the season and post all that, all that stuff. Because each of those moments, you're gonna you're gonna see growth, right? And I think right. you've got to be patient enough to see the growth, but you've also got to be very um, uh, very open minded about where things are, right? Because right. sometimes we want to tell ourselves a narrative and like, oh, no, this is this, but you got to just evaluate the tape. You got to evaluate how people are carrying themselves, you know? So it's like going back to how the system we had at Houston, you look at grades, right? If I say this guy's going to be an immediate player, if I gave him that grade and he's not, I need to look at what, like, what, what, what created this? Did somebody else play better? Did he, you know, whatever maybe, or if you say a guy's going to be a fourth year, you know, backup helper and he, ends up playing his second year and ends up like, you know, I think it goes back to like my whole deal in development or retention, like taking care of the team. Cause so many people look at, okay, we got our team. Let's go get this 25. Same deal on, on, on each level. It's like, no, we, this is who we have. And we have to be, they evaluate daily who we have because that now we can answer certain things. We can help people out. You know, like imagine if, you know, you bring in somebody that's kind of like, Oh man, like y'all all right. Like, you, you know, you just keep it about, this is what we thought. This we, we thought our grade was. It's not what we thought we would be. Why is this not happening? But like you said, if you join it during those those blocks, you can answer that. You can get to it before you get to that question, you know? Right. But also, that's the importance of having a process during the recruiting side of like evaluating and grading because now you can go back to it and say, okay, right. this is what we saw then. Maybe what did we miss in a good way or, or a negative way? Right. So. And how can we help him get there, you know? Yes, yes. And how can we help him realize those things that, that we know exist in him, but we're not right. getting it out? Um, thank you again for, for taking nope. an hour and a half almost now. Where can our listeners go learn about Beyond the Field? So the easiest way to do it is to go to my Twitter and click the link that my link or my uh, pin tweet has directions to get there because the website is too long. But anyway, I'll still do it. Um, you can you can you can find me on Twitter at Ed, at Ed underscore Jones two, and then if you want to check out the website, it's btfprogram.com. That's not hard. Btfprogram.com. I was just trying to make it easy for him, you know. No, I appreciate it. And uh, I'll link the, I'll link his profile, link the site and the, uh, the ebook. Definitely pick it up. It'll be worth your money. Um, whether you're in recruiting, you know, personnel, coaching, I think it has, it has benefits for everybody. Have a blessed uh, Easter Sunday and, and uh, tell Cree and the family I said hello. All right. I will. I will literally walk today in church. She took like eight steps. Pretty awesome. That's amazing. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out how to put it on Instagram. She started crying because she thought we were leaving us. Leaving her. Oh, you should totally put it on it. Yeah. All right, All man. Right, All right. I'll, I'll see, see you. you. All right. Bye.